Hey guys, welcome back to this week's edition of Up in the Roost. We're here not even 24 hours after Jacksonville State's 45-30 win over Middle Tennessee State in Murfreesboro. Another really explosive second-half performance from Jacksonville State to come from behind and win it yet again six days after their win over Sam Houston. Um, we wrote stories about the massive performances that we saw from Chris Hardy and Sean Brown. You can check those out for free on the Anderson Stars website or social media. There should be links in there. But another player we wanted to talk about was Zion Webb. Um, I guess my question to you is, Tyler, were you surprised to see him come back out in the second half? I was a little surprised to see Zion come back out and start the second half just because if you go back and look, I think I even tweeted this out with uh, – Four minutes left or so in the first half. I thought Zion really had outplayed Logan to that point. Um, I thought the offense looked better when Zion was out there. But then the last one, I think maybe even two possessions in the first half, Zion sailed some passes. Um, He took some sacks. I I didn't feel like he was maybe worse than Logan, but I felt like we are kind of back to maybe a deadlock tie. I felt like both guys were struggling. So I thought maybe Rich Rod would hit the reset button at halftime. Maybe give Logan two series, and then if the offense is still floundering, maybe Zion comes out. Uh, instead, Richrod's like, I'm just going to keep rolling with Zion, and obviously that was the right move. I thought Zion Webb played just spectacular in the second half, especially when you got to think about this is a guy that came back for a seventh year. He practiced all summer to be a part of this team and to be the starting quarterback. And it looked like he lost his job with the way Logan played last week, starting... Logan got to start again last night. I mean, it, it, it was starting to look like maybe Zion was just going to be a backup guy. But of course, as Rich Rod's told us all year, he doesn't have a backup quarterback. He has two starting quarterbacks, and he's not afraid to mix and match them whenever. And he did that again last night. One of the things that struck me, not surprised me, but just struck me after the game, we were talking with a few players, one of them being Zion, and... We were talking about Sean Brown's massive night, which we wrote about. But one of the things that he said is that before the game, Sean Brown just said, it doesn't matter if you're starting. It doesn't matter if you're backup. It doesn't matter if you're not playing. Whenever they decide to put you in, we're with you all the way. And I don't see why he wouldn't say that, but it still struck me that he did say that. For me, it's just something that is the, the players have been together for a long time, obviously. Uh, but he still has that leadership in that locker room. Um, when you look at guys like Jeremiah Harris, who's also in his seventh year, Traylon Brown, who's on his fifth year, there's just a lot of guys who are in these leadership roles. And I don't think that it really matters, like we said, if Zion plays. He's still going to have a role. He's still going to have that quote-unquote starting position. But above all that, he's a leader on this team. And I think that it wasn't just good for Zion to have a big night, but it was really good, I feel like, for just kind of him and his mentality of being a leader on this team. I think it was just really big for his confidence and for the team's confidence, honestly. I I think that this just means more than winning a football game at this point. So, Thomas, let me ask you this. Which quarterback do you think we'll see start against Liberty on Tuesday, Zion Webb or Logan Smothers? So one of the things that Rich Rod is just sold on and confident on is that he has two starting quarterbacks. But again, another thing he's sold on is that he's going to play one guy until he sees them falter bad enough to get on the bench. And I don't think that there would be any reason to put Zion on the bench. He not only excelled in the passing game, 
he not only excelled in the passing game in the second half, he also dominated on the ground. I feel like he broke away for some really big runs when they were able to bottle up Malik Jackson, and I think that's really just due to the scheme. I don't see why Malik wouldn't have a bigger night just because of the way that Middle Tennessee plays on the line. I just don't really see a reason why you couldn't play Zion Webb. He's looked healthier than he's ever been before. He had a massive night against Middle Tennessee in relief of Smothers. I, f- I-, I don't see anything that signals that Logan Smothers would get the starting job moving forward. But again, it's it's a tale of two quarterbacks. So really, there's really no telling. I think I'm inclined to agree with you, but I also think it almost doesn't matter. Um, it's interesting to talk about. It's interesting uh, to ask Richrod about and hear his opinion and, and all that stuff. But I think Richrod's proven he's going to roll out a guy. He's going to give him three, four, five series. If those series stink, he's going to pull that guy and throw in the other one. And he's going to give that guy a chance. And if that guy stinks, he'll put the starter back in. Uh, you know, we haven't seen it get bad enough that Tayshawn Smoot takes over. But, I mean, at this point, nothing would shock me with how Richard is using these guys. Uh, I think it's impressive that both Logan and Zion have the mentality that they can roll with this. Uh, I did ask Zion after the game last night. I said, you know, is this something that you could have handled earlier in your career? And he was like, this would have – this situation – not having a clear starting role would have frustrated me earlier on. He said, like, when I came in, when I got to Jacksonville State, he said that would have been really frustrating to, to be in this kind of battle. But uh, at this point, you know, I think Zion's, he's ready for it. I think, you know, he's he just looks at it like whenever he's in, he has a chance to prove himself, and, you know, he's ready to wait for that chance. I think the more interesting thing, and I, I, I'll just admit, I said it last week, I believe, that I was concerned that the quarterbacks coming in and out was stunting the receivers it that didn't look to be the problem last night uh you mentioned Malik Jackson getting bottled up I think that had a little more to do with the offensive line Uh, obviously Xavier Balsley I thought that was huge there was at least two huge sacks Zion took that just you could tell those are sacks that Zion nobody it didn't matter which quarterback was out there nobody had a chance on that play because free runners were just coming off the edge where Xavier would have been. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the offensive line situation is on Tuesday when Liberty comes. Tyler, you said this a couple of minutes ago. You wrote about it. You said that you have questions about the team's two-quarterback system. How much of that has truly been answered for you after this game against Middle Tennessee? Well, what I wrote, the and I think I wrote the column after the Eastern Michigan game, the concerns I had were based on what we've seen from the receivers and what we've heard from the receivers was it felt like maybe the timing was off and to some extent maybe the way the quarterbacks expected the receivers to break on certain routes, especially when plays broke down, the quarterbacks and receivers were not on the same page. We saw this with Logan. We saw this with Zion. It wasn't a it wasn't Zion was wrong or Logan was wrong. It was the quarterback for Jacksonville State was not on the same page with the receivers. So I wrote in my column, I thought, you know, maybe Jacksonville State should stick with one guy until the passing game shows it can be consistent. I think maybe we saw that last night. We still saw overthrows. We still saw bad decisions made at times by both quarterbacks. Now, we could go back and and maybe 
attribute a lot of that to an offensive line and a quarterback that's just trying to make a play out of nothing. Um, But what we also saw was we saw Sean Brown make plays and Perry Carter make plays and Anwar caught a couple passes early and Sterling had a big catch. Sterling has almost been phased out of this offense for maybe games at a time. Petway didn't have a big night, but he had a big night last week. The offense is starting to look like what I expected it would look like back in June and July. If Jacksonville State can do this, I don't think it matters that they rotate quarterbacks. My big thing was we just watched the first three or four games and nothing was happening in the passing game. It was so much inconsistency. If Jacksonville State can can have even a semblance of consistency like they like the Gamecocks had last night, then I think it's fine. I think rotating quarterbacks in and out is fine. I generally like two quarterback systems. I just didn't like this one because, you know, it, neither one was really working all the time. There were so many flaws. I think that kind of the biggest indicator for me is seeing Sean Brown have such a big night. He was really uninvolved, it seemed like. And one of the plays, I don't remember specifically which game you might, um, was just kind of the early signs of the two quarterback system questions were just there was a play that was just completely missed and Sean Brown just didn't turn around and seeing him have 103 yards not just 103 yards but he only had 39 yards after catch Um, so these were just good throws Um, he had a 31 yard catch he had a 10 yard touchdown I mean both of those were really good placed balls and that wouldn't have happened But like we said, I mean, Sean Brown still had a really good night as far as Rich Rod said it. He caught balls that were four inches off the ground. But it was optimistic, I feel like, for Zion to just be able to see him that he has the ability to make those throws. If he can just make the wavelength kind of go less up and down and even out, I think that that's going to be really encouraging. And we still see... They still need guys who get yards after catch. Perry Carter, 76 total yards, 76 yards after catch. Uh, Anwar Lewis, 23 yards, 32 yards after catch. Um, still, they need these guys to be playmakers. But seeing uh, those flashes with Sean Brown, just those couple of good throws, I feel like that was really encouraging for the quarterbacks. I would disagree with you about some of the specifics. Uh, I, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure Sean Brown's touchdown was a, a, a pretty great catch and a pretty medium throw if I'm being nice at least that's what I remember but I do think um your general point is true I I think Sean Brown being a a major part of the passing game even for one night shows that the offense itself is in a healthy spot it's crazy to say this out loud because last night was a crazy game but that's about all I want to say about it what I really want to talk about the conversation I'm dying to have Thomas is if you had to pick right now and tell me first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, where's Jacksonville State going to fi- finish in Conference USA this year? I mean, looking at it right now, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to finish anywhere from first to third. I feel like this is a really doable thing for them. But if you had to pick first, second, or third? I know how crazy it is for me to say, but I really think that Jacksonville State can finish first. I don't see why they wouldn't be able to win these next two home games after these last few road games. I mean, Liberty, they've just played the worst schedule in FBS. 
a lot of things would have to go right against Western Kentucky, but I still feel like that's a doable game. These are two home games. These are two games that they're, it's going to be even more benefited from the schedule that both of these teams have. I think Liberty's coming off of a short week as well, um, especially playing from Thursday night to Tuesday night. They get just a five-day window. There's a lot of things that are going right for Jacksonville State. I, they're sitting atop the conference right now. They have to play Liberty, Western Kentucky, and then, honestly, the rest of the schedule is pretty favorable for them. Um, obviously, aside from South Carolina, but that's a non-conference game. So I don't see a reason why they wouldn't be able to finish atop the conference if they continue to play the way that they've been playing. So you would pick Jacksonville State to be Western Kentucky right now? I mentioned that Liberty's coming off of just five days of rest, but one of the things with Western Kentucky is that they're going to have a complete bye week. They play... Thursday night, they get the whole week off, and then they play Tuesday night. They still get a short, quote-unquote, time, but not a true bye week, but still, they get a bye week. So that's really going to be weird for Jack State, but still, Jack State gets seven days of rest, which is, oddly enough, very weird for them. Um, This is something they haven't had in a while. So if Jacksonville State continues to play the way they've been playing, I think the secondary has been good. I feel like I don't see a reason why they wouldn't be able to win this game. I think it's winnable, especially at home. Winnable, but would you pick Jacksonville State to win it? As of right now, I really would. I feel like the win against Middle Tennessee was really indicative of what could happen in the future, especially if they get the offense rolling. Like I said, it's a winnable game, and if we had to pick right now, I I would pick Jacksonville State to win this game. Okay. I I had to push you there, but I don't disagree with most of what you said. And I think that's crazy to think about. Uh, Rich Rod was asked, somebody asked Rich Rod just about, you know, did, did you imagine you'd be 5-1 and one at this point? And Rich Rod kind of played it off but said, I mean, probably not. I think even Rich Rod is a little surprised at how well the season's gone. I'm certainly shocked. If you had asked me if Jacksonville State would be 5-1, and one, I would say no. I don't even think I thought Jacksonville State would be 4-2 and two at this point. You know, 3-3 three and three I thought was a really good start for the first year at the FBS level. At this point, I think if you ask me the same question, I would have Jacksonville State finishing second in the conference. I do think Western Kentucky with the bye might be too much to overcome. Now, this is really early. Western Kentucky has only played Middle Tennessee State. So, you know, just because you might be the best team on paper doesn't mean you're actually going to win all these games. So Western Kentucky has a long way to go. Jacksonville State, if the Gamecocks beat Liberty, they're halfway through the conference schedule, and they've, they're have they perfect, in conference play at least. So that's tough to overcome, especially when the back half of the schedule includes games against Florida International and New Mexico State, which those games are on the road, so Jacksonville State's not out of the woods completely there. The Gamecocks still do play their worst games on the road so far. That was true last night, but... Those games are games Jacksonville State should be favored in, should take care of business in. And the crazy thing is the three teams at the top of the conference with Jacksonville State, Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, and Liberty are all home games for the Gamecocks. That's insane. That's just that's a crazy draw for how things are shaping up. At this point, I think anything less than second in Conference USA might be a disappointment. I mean, just think about that. Jacksonville State's first year at the FBS level. Second in the, like third in the conference might be a bitter, disappointing way to end the season. That's crazy. 
So one of the questions that we've already had is, are they benefiting more from a bad schedule and a bad conference as far as strength of schedule, or are they just good? And Tyler, I just want to know, what what are your thoughts on that right now? Do you think it's more of just the conference is just at an all-time, they have more teams at the bottom than they do at the top, or is it just that Jacksonville State is just playing at another level right now? I think both could be true. I think Jacksonville State's schedule up to this point has been pretty weak. I actually think Middle Tennessee might end up being one of the better teams the Gamecocks have played already this year when everything's said and done. So I think Jacksonville State's benefited from an easy schedule, but I think especially on the defensive side, I think Jacksonville State is a legitimately talented group of five teams. I think from an offensive standpoint, we've seen flashes of a team that could play with a lot of other more well-established group of five teams. That said, the offense has struggled for entire quarters in every single road game this year and uh, at even certain times at home, although those games typically haven't been as close, so it hasn't mattered. But, I mean, think back to Coastal Carolina. That's a game Jacksonville State should have won. If the offense could finish in the red zone, even though the defense had their own mistakes, but if the offense just finishes in the red zone on one or two of those first couple possessions, Jacksonville State's up. Jacksonville State maybe wins that game. Uh, the same Houston State game. I mean, we needed to see Logan Smothers deliver his A-plus performance. The whole offense had to like ascend to almost a higher plane of existence for Jacksonville State to just force overtime and then win that game. Jacksonville State hasn't played an A-plus offensive performance yet. I'm not even sure the team's played a B-plus performance yet. In fact, I asked Zion, I said, you know, has the offense even thrown its A game out there yet this season? He said, oh, no. He said, no. Uh, You know, and that's something those guys, when you ask Zion, when you ask Perry Carter, when you ask those guys that question, they get a look in their eye and they get excited. Like you can see, Jacksonville State is winning these games despite an inconsistent offense. If this offense can ever truly get rolling, those guys believe they can score on just about anybody. And I think, I think if Jacksonville State's offense starts rolling, we could maybe start having the conversation like, you know, could Jacksonville State beat South Carolina? That's a conversation we can have if the offense ever gets going. If the offense was rolling, I'd pick Jacksonville State to beat Western Kentucky the way the Gamecocks have played, especially on defense. So I think the way the season's going to shake out, it's just going to be entirely dependent on does the offense ever get things going because as great as it is for Jacksonville State to be 5-1 and one through 6 games, Jacksonville State has played 6 games and we still have yet to see the offense truly put together a A performance. At some point, the season's over. Like, it's great to have potential, but if you never hit it, who cares? Thank y'all so much for joining us for today's episode of Up in the Roost. We will be recording the next episode, hopefully within 24 hours of Jacksonville State's game against Liberty on Tuesday night. 